Church, and welcome to the Apostles Mailbox podcast. Uh, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we go a step further, I suppose it's fitting as we launch this podcast to address the question of why would you call it the Apostles Mailbox? You know, perhaps you're thinking like me of Han Solo and Chewie after they're locked up. They're trying to rescue Han from being frozen in carbonite, and he's been melted out. And and uh, Chewie tells him that Luke's going to come save them. He's a Jedi Knight. And Han says, Jedi Knight? Jeez, I'm out of it for a little while, and everybody has delusions of grandeur. So is that what's going on here? Does Andy have uh, delusions of grandeur? Is he calling himself an apostle now? Well, to answer that question, really, we have to answer the question of what exactly is an apostle. So today we're going to answer that question. Why call it Apostles Mailbox? I'm glad you're with me, and I hope you'll enjoy our tour through Scripture and be challenged to see things in a little bit different light. So we're going to start, actually, with this question of what is exactly an apostle? And the first thing we have to note is that the term apostle does include the 12. It does include those uh, 12 primary disciples that Jesus chose, but it is not limited to them. So when Jesus took 12 of his primary apostles, uh, he, er, his primary disciples, he designated them apostles. We see this uh, in Mark 3 and in Luke 6. It's also mentioned in Matthew as well. Um, and, and this is 12 of those who are following them, but we know for certain it's not his only disciples. And, and the reason that we know this, of course, is that in Acts chapter 1, uh, the apostles have to replace Judas, who is one of the 12. And one of their criteria for being considered to this is they say he, it has to be somebody who is with us from the beginning, from, from when Jesus was baptized up until his resurrection. And so they have to have witnesses of, of Jesus' life and ministry. And uh, in order to have at least two credible uh, candidates for that position, uh, you know that there was more than 12 people who are just following Jesus around. So at any rate, Jesus picks 12 apostles, uh, but that term does not just include those apostles. So there is a special function that these uh, these apostles share. Um, I think it is a, a large part of it is representative. Uh, one of those things shows up in Acts chapter 1, um, where the 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 11 who are left, they're trying to replace Judas, they understand that Judas has to be replaced because there is a prophecy that says that one would have his place filled by another. So they have to fill that place to fulfill that prophecy. Uh, furthermore, they require somebody who's been there with Jesus through his whole earthly ministry because one of their roles is to be witnesses, to testify to the life and ministry of Jesus. And in order to be a witness, you actually had to have been a witness. And so that's what's going on here uh, in Acts chapter 1. Now in Revelation 21, you see uh, that there are 12 foundations, right, to the city of God, the 12 apostles. And so there is some bigger role for those 12, but that's not uh, the only apostles in the Bible. So Judas's replacement uh, had to be a witness. We talked about this, uh, but there are other apostles. And in fact, in the New Testament, you find in Acts 14 that Paul and Barnabas are called apostles. You also find that Jesus' brother James is called an apostle. And here's a big one. You maybe not have noticed this before, but in Hebrews 3.1, Jesus himself is called 
an apostle. Uh, so we know that the term has to be bigger uh, than just those 12. So a lot of sort of modern uh, arguments against uh, there being modern-day apostles are based around this idea, I think this misunderstanding of Acts chapter 1, that says, well, in order to have been an apostle, you had to be around during Jesus' earthly ministry, and nobody alive today was around during that time, so we can't have any apostles. But the fact of the matter is that Paul wasn't present during Jesus' earthly ministry, and he is indisputably an apostle in the Bible. Uh, he also, we also see other people like Barnabas and Paul are called apostles together. Uh, and James, who is Jesus' brother, he's an apostle, um, but James wasn't actually, uh, he, he wasn't actually present during Jesus' earthly ministry, or not during all of it. His brothers didn't seem to believe in him uh, while he was doing this ministry. And so the term apostle is bigger than the twelve, and if you restrict it only to the 12, then you come up with these sort of arguments against modern apostleship that don't actually apply when you look at the biblical witness. There's something else going on here uh, as well, is that the term apostle most broadly means someone who is sent, a messenger. So if you were to read Greek, you would find the Greek word for apostle written to describe Epaphroditus in uh, in. Um, Philippians 2, 25. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, you sent Epaphroditus to me. He was your messenger to me. And he uses the Greek word apostolos, uh, which is the same word that we translate apostle. So uh, Epaphroditus then was an apostle from a church to minister to Paul. And the same sort of thing happens as well uh, in 2 Corinthians 2, that Paul is uh, sending um, some believers to Corinth with Titus, and he's telling the church to receive Titus, uh, and he says um, that uh, that these these brothers are uh, apostles from the churches. That is, uh, the other churches that Paul has been visiting, they've sent representatives uh, with Titus uh, to the Corinthians. And so, you have this term apostle, which is bigger than just the twelve. And it's important for us to remember that when we're asking the question of uh, do modern-day apostles exist? Because if you look at the biblical witness, then clearly there are apostles who are not numbered among the twelve. Jesus picked a group that he called apostles, and there are other apostles as well that don't fit into that same unique role. So let's ask the question then, where do apostles come from? And I think the biblical answer is that an apostle is someone who is sent by someone else. And so an apostle of Christ, someone is sent by Christ, is not a title given by men. So to be an apostle doesn't mean that some people got around and they, they said, oh, you're a super impressive person, we're going to call you an apostle. An apostle is someone who is sent, someone who is called. And so uh, Paul will describe himself in Galatians 1 uh, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is not by the will of man. He very specifically says this wasn't man's doing, this was God's doing. And so when we think about this, then we see that uh, before the Holy Spirit has been given, when the, when the eleven are trying to pick the twelfth apostle, uh, Matthias has to be chosen by lot. They have to throw lots because they're saying God picks. We're not going to vote. We're not going to have a discussion. We're not going to pick the best one. And they can't rely on the Holy Spirit to give them wisdom and insight into this uh, because the Holy Spirit hasn't been poured out yet, which is going to happen in Acts chapter 2. And so they cast lots because uh, the Jewish understanding was that the outcome of the lot was controlled by God. And so uh, before the Holy Spirit, then 
the choice of God is made very clear through the, the casting of lots, right? Uh, Paul, as I already mentioned, he counts his apostleship as being from God through Jesus. Uh, later on in chapter 1 of Galatians, Paul, Paul points out, he says, look, when I became an apostle, when God called me to be an apostle, I didn't go and get any man's approval. He didn't go and get an official stamp from some board or some church authority. He didn't go down to Jerusalem and say, I want to be an apostle. Can you guys make me one? He didn't do any of that. He just went and obeyed the Lord because God had sent him to preach. And so apostleship is something given uh, by God. And Paul is very clear in Galatians to point that out, right? That apostleship is from God. Now, uh, if you look in Ephesians 4, we see this reinforced. Paul says that Jesus has given the apostles uh, to the church. And we'll talk more about Ephesians 4 in just a little bit. But you have to understand that an apostle is not one chosen by people. It is someone chosen by God. It is a calling, if you will. Now, that might be affirmed by others. People might uh, recognize that, that yes, indeed, this is someone that we recognize as sent from God, but the, the actual uh, calling to be an apostle is not one that human beings come up with. It's something that God chooses, okay? So there's one other thing that I'd like to point out here, and that's this. Um, if this mechanism for, for being an apostle is not from humans, Right? If it's something that God chooses and God does, then uh, sooner or later someone will, and in fact some have been, someone will take the title of apostle who's not actually an apostle. So Paul talks about those who are uh, falsely called apostles uh, in 2 Corinthians 11. And in Revelation 2, actually, um, there's one of the letters to the church, there are there are called out some people who have been called apostles, but are not actually apostles. They're not sent from God. So I point this out to you for a reason. Um, some people today say, well, you know, everybody's just going to claim the title of apostle and it's going to be a disaster. We can't have modern day apostles because we don't have all these neat, neat and tidy categories for them. But you have to understand that in, in biblical times already, while the Twelve were around and while Paul and Barnabas were around, there were other people out there who were claiming to be apostles, uh, some who probably were and some who uh, probably weren't. Uh, just because a, a counterfeit was possible didn't mean that the whole early church said, you know what, just let's just throw this whole thing away. We'll only have the Twelve be apostles because Jesus picked those out and that's good enough for us. You know, we replaced uh, Judas and, and, and we'll just have 12 and then we'll close the door and nobody else is going to be an apostle because how are we going to handle this if somebody claims to be an apostle and they're not, right? They didn't do that. Uh, just because somebody might falsify something or make a fake doesn't mean that the real thing is not important and perhaps even vitally important. And so some of the modern sort of opposition to the idea of apostleship is, is based out of fear, it's fear that somebody is going to claim to be an apostle who doesn't deserve to be. But that's not actually an argument against God sending people into this role. Okay, so that's going to get us to the question then of what does an apostle do? Well, an apostle does a lot of things, uh, but an apostle doesn't write the Bible. Now, what do I mean by that? Because obviously a lot of the New Testament has written, been written uh, by apostles. If you look at your New Testament, though, you find that, that certainly the books of Mark and Luke, those are not names that are mentioned as apostles 
anywhere in the Bible. Uh, Jude uh, is written by a guy who, who isn't named as an apostle in the Bible, right? And the author of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. People used to think it's Paul. It's probably not Paul. Um, but that author may or may not have been an apostle. Uh, but what you also notice is that of the 12 that Jesus picked, most of those, most of those original apostles didn't write scripture. So another common sort of modern uh, resistance to the idea of the apostolic office still existing is based around this idea that to be an apostle means you're, you're qualified to write scripture and, 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 and you do write scripture. But the, the biblical witness is that most apostles didn't write scripture. They, they absolutely didn't. And uh, furthermore, uh, those who did, of course, um, they did other things, right? Paul, sure, Paul wrote most of the New Testament or a lot of it, but he was in ministry for decades. If his whole point was just to write the Bible, like he was pretty much a slacker, right? <laughs> what do you get a, a handful of letters out of, out of uh, Galatians says 14 years of ministry and certainly ministered past that. So he had decades of ministry. He did a lot more than just uh, write letters. And so part of the question, I think, of an apostle is that you see that Paul and Barnabas, who are called apostles, they're traveling around, they're building up the churches, uh, they have a specific role that we'll talk about a bit more in a minute. Now, an apostle doesn't mean that someone is inerrant. So in Galatians 2, you have this situation where uh, Paul writes, and he basically says, the apostle Peter, like, he screwed up. He was in the wrong. He was doing wrong things, and he was causing other people to believe wrong things. And even Barnabas, again, Barnabas being an apostle, even Barnabas was led astray. So here you have two apostles who are screwing things up, who are basically moving in the opposite direction of the, the Bible and of, of the gospel. And Paul doesn't say, well, we got to revoke their apostleship because they screwed up and apostles are supposed to be inerrant. No, an apostle was not inerrant. They weren't perfect. Every time they opened their mouth, uh, uh, they, they weren't speaking infallibly. To be an apostle didn't mean that you were inerrant. And some people, again, they have this idea, this mental picture in their head, like, well, if somebody claims to be an apostle, that means they're, they're saying that they're perfect and that they have everything right and that everybody has to listen to them. And I don't think that's quite the right way of looking at it biblically, that uh, Peter and Barnabas would falsify that position just by themselves in Galatians 2. And so what an apostle does do is that they do seem to carry a certain degree of respect Right? They are given extra authority, but it's not absolute. So if you look in, in, in uh, Acts 15, there's a Jerusalem council that happens. The church has to answer this question, how much of the Jewish law should the Gentiles follow? And Paul and Barnabas, Paul, Paul takes this question uh, to, to the Jerusalem council in, in Acts 15, and it's said that, that, that he takes the question to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. And after this council, uh, again, Acts 16 says that the apostles and elders made this decision together. And so the apostles are not sort of like willy-nilly, uh, all on their own, uh, Wild West kind of dictating doctrine here and there as if, you know, everything they say is scripture. They're part of the church. And there are people in the church who have authority with those apostles who are called elders, who are distinguished from apostles. They're not actually apostles themselves. That They have, it, it seems, an equal part in this process. 
And so to be an apostle doesn't mean, you know, you're the boss who gets to make up or define doctrine. It doesn't mean that. Now, in your head, because we tend to think, you know, Peter and Paul writing the Bible, we think sometimes in those terms, but that's not the biblical picture of apostleship. What else does an apostle do? Well, an apostle represents God. An apostle is sent by God. And so you have uh, the apostle Paul is sent by God, and he goes off and he preaches. He proclaims what God has sent him to preach. And again, just to reinforce this idea of apostleship not having absolute authority, when, when Paul is called to be an apostle, he makes a big deal in Galatians of saying that when I was called, in Galatians 1, he said, I didn't go and get my affirmation from the church, uh, and I, I went right? And I preached. And then he said, after three years, I came back. I came back to the church, <laughs> to the apostles. I came back to Jerusalem. I met with some of the apostles just to make sure that I wasn't totally off the rails, right? And so um, Paul does have, he does in some ways submit to this authority of the other apostles, uh, but it's, it's it's really after the, the, the effect. So you can see in Paul that, that the apostles are not like kings of the world. They're not lords, you saw this in the teaching of Jesus, that the greatest among us must be the servant of all. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul puts it most beautifully. He says, uh, we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for your sake. And so the apostolic role is to be sent by Jesus as a servant to the church. There is... Uh, I'm not totally familiar with all of the nuance of what has been called the New Apostolic Reformation, but it seems like a lot of what gets caught up in the debate over that question of people who say, you know, the New Apostolic Reformation, apostles are coming back, et cetera, et cetera, um, is, is I think they misunderstand this. In some way, that New Apostolic Reformation comes with it, this great expectation of great sort of power and authority in the hands of men and taking dominion and ruling over the, the kingdom of God and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and it seems like there's a whole lot of like worldly will to power in that movement. Again, I don't speak to the whole thing and I don't want to condemn anybody in particular because I'm just not f that familiar with what all is going in there. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that Jesus uh, Jesus' example of greatness in the church, if you will, is to be a servant of all. And Paul, when he's talking about his apostleship, he says, uh, we're not the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the head of the church. The apostles are not the head of the church, right? Jesus is the head of the church, uh, and, and the apostles are those who are sent to serve the church. And so an apostle serves the church. Um, but mostly what an apostle does is they preach in weakness and they suffer, <laughs> So Paul boasts of his suffering, and he has this big, long explanation in 2 Corinthians 4 about how death is at work in the apostles so that life might, the life of Christ might be at work in the church. And so the call to be an apostle is really a, a call to come and die. It's to be, it's to be the, the lowliest, <laughs> the least. It's to serve the church, to put others ahead of yourselves, even as Christ did, to build up the church. And there is there's a lot of... of suffering and rejection and 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 death involved in that. And so uh, those who would lower their apostleship over other people and and boast in that and, and seem to use it as a way to get more accolades and more influence and whatever in themselves, I think they're missing the point of what it means to be an apostle. 
Actually, uh, what you'll notice is that an apostle bears fruit in ministry. An apostle builds up the church. Paul says to, to the Corinthians that they are the sign of his apostleship, that their faith, their belief in God is proof that he was sent by God to them uh, to proclaim the gospel, the good news. And so uh, to be recognized as an, as an apostle um, means that someone is actually bearing fruit. There is this remark uh, in 2 Corinthians 12 about Paul saying that he uh, displayed all the, the signs of a true apostle with signs and wonders, uh, with great works of power. And so there is uh, perhaps some reason, though this is the the main sort of uh, explanation of that point, There there is some expectation that an apostle is someone who is uh, granted uh, not only a commission by God, but in an endowment of, of spiritual power, if you will, to uh, to carry out that calling uh, with the Spirit's power in um, significant ways. And so there is uh, perhaps something to be said there. I don't understand it entirely. Uh, certainly there are some, I think, who who make a credible claim to say, if you're an apostle, uh, you ought to, to see some miraculous things happening in your ministry. Um, but at the end of the day, what you have to understand is if you if you just looked at the 12, at the, the 12 that Jesus called apostles, um, according to history, probably 11 of them were martyred. They were killed uh, for their witnessing to Jesus with only John, uh, who, is, who was only exiled, right, for his uh, faithfulness to Christ. And so the call to be an apostle is not some big glamorous, like you get to be in charge of everything kind of a calling, but it's, it's a call to come and die. Um, and so the, the call to apostleship is not to glamour, uh, but to greatness in service and in death. And so that's going to bring us then to uh, sort of the last place that I want to stop uh, today or, or dwell for a few minutes, and that's in Ephesians chapter 4. Now some, some people will, will refer to this as the five-fold office, uh, that of uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, with shepherd and teacher being a different role that, that Christ gives to the church. Um, when you look at the Greek, it's there's a good case to be made, I think, that a shepherd and teacher both refer to the same, the same office in the church or the same gift to the church. Uh, but that's not really a hill that I care to die on. Um, I'm just going to take that for granted uh, in passing, because what you'll notice in, in Ephesians 4 is that Paul is talking about Christ giving these gifts to the church. He says these are gifts to the church. A shepherd teacher would be like a local pastor, somebody who in a local ministry builds up a, a local fellowship of believers. The evangelists, you, you've heard of evangelists like D.L. Moody or Billy Graham, people whose call is really to proclaim the gospel to the lost as broadly as possible and are widely effective in that. Uh, the prophets we're not going to talk about uh, <laughs> rather than open another can of worms. That's a different office. And then you have the apostles uh, or those who are, we've been talking about how they're sent. And what would be the difference perhaps between an apostle and one of those other offices? Well, I once had somebody explain to me, he believed that an apostle was like just a, a, an enhanced version of the other things. Like an apostle could be a super prophet or a super evangelist or a, or a super pastor. I don't really buy that because it's painted in parallel with them. I think the apostolic office is one that, that is sent 
more broadly to the church. And really, I'm just basing this uh, primarily on the example of, of the, the apostles who were sent out and brought the gospel to very differing places in the world, um, as history records. But also, if you look at Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, are they travel around, they plant churches, and they visit churches, and they build up those churches. And their, their calling is not just to one single fellowship. Uh, but their call is more broadly to the church to see that the church grows in health. And, and Paul then, as, as an apostle, he writes to churches as, as individual local fellowships sort of go off track, and he, he sort of corrects them and he brings them back into what is uh, true and good and right. And so in some way, he's like this independent voice uh, that is in some ways an outsider speaking into local fellowships in order to address places where the fellowships are sort of going off the rails. And so there is, a, uh, in some ways, a corrective and an encouraging influence, but it's really an, it's an outside voice to the local ministry context. Most of the church life, I believe biblically, is done in close relational fellowship among people who live in the same space and time, right? They are, they are they're bound together in Christ. They serve one another. They build one another up. And the apostolic ministry is, is a more broadly like connective tissue, if you will, perhaps, uh, that, that um, interacts with various local fellowships and builds them up uh, in, in a context that is not sort of restrained to just one location. And if that's the case, uh, then... Um, then what that means is that the church today still, of course, needs past shepherds and teachers. The church still obviously needs evangelists. Uh, we, we could discuss whether the church needs prophets or not. It's not a debate for today. But the apostolic office to sort of uh, connect with churches and, and draw them back into health where they start to go off the rails, I think is vitally important. Now, you might say, well, well, maybe that's what our bishop does, or maybe that's what our, our denominational heads do. But the problem with that idea is that bishops and denominational representatives, they all, they all drink the same doctrinal Kool-Aid, if you will, of all the fellowships under them. So if the denomination grabs a hold of, of, uh, of a doctrine that is misleading or un unhealthy, wrong, um, then who's going to correct that? If they only ever listen to people within their own denomination, nobody can correct a denomination. Uh, so it takes somebody sort of outside of that local context to address that. Uh, and so I don't think that there's probably one apostle. There's probably many apostles, and their goal is to build up the church. So then the question then becomes like, well, are those really still for today? Like, do we really need that? I want to take one deeper look into Ephesians chapter 4. You'll note um, that Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So you'll note here that the ones who do the, the work of ministry are the saints, right? They're being equipped to do the work of ministry. And so these uh, offices whether it's four or five, they're supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They're supposed to be building up the body of Christ. And then there's a phrase here that, that should get our attention, and it's this, until, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So 
these offices are given to the church to build it up, to equip the saints until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, I don't know of anybody out there who says that all the Christians, that all the sons and daughters of God who have been adopted into his family through Christ, that they are all unified in the faith. I don't know of anybody who has said that we have attained to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In fact, a great deal of time is spent by Christians telling other Christians where they're wrong, where they don't have the knowledge of the Son of God, and, and a great deal of angst is created as churches divide from each other, as believers seem to be increasingly fractious. They split up over all kinds of things. And so if the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers are needed until we've attained to that, then the answer, of course, is that we haven't attained to that. So he says, until we attain to the unity of the faith, look at this, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Have we become mature believers uh, to the point where we we're measuring up to the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in, in deceitful schemes. And so uh, there is a great deal, in fact, in the church of people who are carried about by all kinds of doctrines that are blown this way and that way. Uh, seems like there's a new one every day. Uh, and so uh, the criteria uh, that have created the need for these gifts of the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, uh, the, the need for that is still obviously evident around us. And here's the end, right? Rather, that speaking the truth in love, that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, right? The head is Christ. It's not the apostles. It's no prophet. It's no denominational leader. The head is Christ. And from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so, Every joint, each part needs to be functioning properly, including, yes, the shepherds and teachers, the pastors, including, yes, the evangelists, including, I would say, yes, the prophets, but again, we won't debate that today, and including also the apostles. And the reason for that is Paul has said that we need them until the church is in its fullest unity and maturity, which it's not. So then, we might say, uh, why call it the Apostles' Mailbox? Well, because there is a need in the church to be brought to unity of the faith and to, to be encouraged to grow up into the head who is Christ. And so if we ask this question, if there was an apostle at work today, uh, what, kind of, um, what kind of correspondence would you find in his mailbox? Things that would be addressed not to his church, not to the Apostles' Church, but to the body of Christ. So whether you like the term apostle or not, I think if you look at Ephesians 4, you see that the, the need for that particular type of ministry is still evident in the church today. And there is no clear biblical statement that says that the ministry, that, that the gift of apostleship has ceased. The Bible doesn't tell us it's gone. We've concluded it's gone, and we've concluded it based on some faulty arguments, which we saw today. Number one, the thought that to be an apostle, you had to be 
uh, uh, eyewitness of Jesus' ministry. Well, Paul and Barnabas didn't fit that, right? So that can't be. Uh, number two, that, that we conclude that to be an apostle means you're writing scripture, but most apostles didn't. And most of the work that the apostles who did write scripture, most of their work wasn't writing scripture. Or we think that an apostle is somehow like inerrant or has total authority over the church, but we saw that the that's not true either, that the apostles, that Peter and Barnabas went astray and that, that the Jerusalem council in, church, in, in, in Acts 15 was made up of both apostles and elders in the church. And so all of our arguments against modern apostleship, when you look at the Bible, they just sort of fall apart. And when you look at Ephesians 4 and the need for apostle, you see that that office is still indeed needed. So then you might ask the question, does Andy consider himself an apostle? Well, uh, if, you, if you ask this question, has God sent me uh, to speak truth and to build up the church? I would say yes. And if you ask the question, am I evangelist? I would say, it doesn't appear to be my gift. And if you ask the question, are you a, a pastor teacher? Then I would say, um, I have served in that role in the past and I have uh, been called pastor uh, by others and that has been affirmed in me, but I do not believe that calling uh, continues. Uh, am I a prophet? No. Uh, have, I been, have I been sent then to speak to the church more broadly I believe so. And so whether you want to use the term apostle or not is really irrelevant. Uh, but the point is, I believe that God has some things that the church wants, needs to hear across denominational lines uh, that, that all of us as the bride of Christ need to be um, encouraged with and built up with and, and brought into uh, more unity and completeness and preparing for the return of Christ. And I'm going to say them. Uh, and it, and uh, I do believe that fits the definition of apostle but again, that, the point is not to say that I'm inerrant or better than anybody else or everybody has to listen to me. That's not the point at all. The point is, I believe that God has sent me to serve the church. And so we're going to call this the Apostles' Mailbox. And we're going to pull out some letters uh, and, and some, some messages that I think God has said before in the past to, God's, to his people through his word on things that we need to hear again um, in modern language to a modern body of Christ. So... I hope that's answered the questions. Of course, if you have more questions, feel free to drop a line in the comments below. Um, if you would like to support this ministry in prayer, I'm currently trying to raise uh, a, a group of people so that I can have somebody fasting in prayer for this ministry every day of the month. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, please send me an email at apostles.mailbox at gmail.com. would love to hear from you. I'd love to put you on a part of that. Uh, that prayer and fasting team. And if you don't know what that means to be in prayer and fasting, or if the idea of fasting is just new or uncertain uh, or scary to you, uh, I'll create a video about fasting as well, um, and that will be posted shortly. So God bless you. If you want to follow this ministry, please just hit the subscribe button below, and uh, we'll see you again here soon.